Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Hi there, and welcome to Hello First Name Podcast. Uh, this uh, edition today, this episode is a discussion of uh, chapter two uh, in the book Hello First Name, and namely the chapter uh, regarding the problem uh, of personalization. Uh, and uh, in the studio today to help us uh, discuss this matter, I have uh, Michele Sveini. Uh, welcome, Michele. Thank you. Uh, Mika, you can you can tell a, a lot about yourself, but just a brief uh, intro is that uh, Mikaela is uh, currently the chief commercial officer at Roskilde Festival, and uh, she is a former CMO at Tivoli and also awarded a CMO of the year uh, here in Denmark a few years ago. So, but I don't know, Mikaela, can you can you tell us uh, briefly a few uh, words about yourself? Sure. Um, well, as you said, I'm working with the Roskilde Festival. Uh, and I've been working with digitalization, marketing, and business development for more than 20 years now, I think. So, uh, and been working with the personalization and digital transformation in in a lot of different uh, organizations. So, uh, I uh, I enjoy working with the digitalization and creating uh, new types of, of businesses. Fantastic! I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, so, um, so you were you were CMO at Tivoli. Uh, and can you tell us a bit about what you what you helped do for for Tivoli. What was the the transformation that you helped Tivoli go through? Well, uh, Tivoli uh, is more than one hundred and seventy five years old, and like uh, many other organizations, they wanted to work more with the digitalization, and uh, especially uh, the annual card, uh, the annual card that uh, provides guests with an entry pass for for the garden all year round. Uh, but the problem was that it hadn't been developed for since 1845. Uh, so it ex- it expired each, each year. Uh, and by that, typically lost all their uh, annual pass members. Wow, and that's every, new everybody every year. That sounds like a huge exactly, exactly. And they had no idea who would renew their card and why. So we started a, a, a big digital transformation, uh, first getting the annual pass to be a, on a digital subscription, and then by uh, unifying all kinds of data, uh, visit data, uh, renewal data, uh, uh, all kinds of data, and then uh, using early AI to try to predict which uh, guests are going to churn and what could we do, do to prevent it. And... Uh, so that was uh, quite a transformation, and and the revenue was increased by twenty percent in the first year. Wow, amazing achievement! Yeah, so uh, I think every everybody living in Copenhagen has uh, experienced that. So the whole thing about going from the yearly pass that follows the seasons to uh, an annual subscription, I know that a lot of companies have uh, become inspired by that. Especially FC Co- FC Copenhagen that I'm also working with, they're having a huge success with uh, with that transition. 
Uh, and then actually before that, as I recall, you were working at uh, one of the, the, the biggest uh, workers' unions uh, in Denmark, yeah. uh, HK. Uh, could you tell a few words about that? Because as I recall, that's, that's a very political environment, but oh, yeah. yet there was still a lot of digital transformation going on. Yeah, I was hired um, to to drive the digital transformation and also to try to get a more commercial mindset in the organization. And that, that was also trying to teach the organization the, the different kind of uh, members that they had and trying to provide different kind of services at the right time through the right channel. So it was building CRM, building marketing automation, renewing all websites and trying to personalize the communication regarding to what profession the members had, um, uh, their, their, uh, their interest, their uh, online behavior, their offline behavior, and and that kind of thing. That so. Uh, and then on to uh, on to Roskilde Festival after after Tivoli. Yeah. Is uh, and I know you're going into actually a new job uh, soon yeah. uh, at a brewery. Uh, so so from one party to the next, it sounds. But the exactly. uh, Roskilde Festival also we can see the uh, the orange stage uh, in your background. I had the pleasure of uh, of visiting a uh, Roskilde Festival this year, yeah. and uh, even for uh, an old guy like me, it was extremely fun, and everything seemed extremely well organized. I must say so. Wow, yeah, kudos for that. What did you do? You were not for many years in Roskilde Festival, but what did you help uh, Roskilde Festival achieve? Well, Roskilde had that problem that they are, they didn't know uh, the participants uh, because uh, they they don't have the the ticket sales. It's a ah. ticket master, so they have no data on the participants, and uh, they wanted to to engage uh, all the fans of Roskilde Festival more than eight days a year. So, uh, makes sense. And they created, um, we have an app and it was a festival app. And if after each festival, the, the app was discarded and then they uh, would develop a new app next year. So, so I was, I've been building, um, a foundation for trying to, to get the more customer insights and creating actionable insights. So we launched a new website so that we can sell. All, all, uh, all other things than tickets, like camping gear, beer for the festival, yeah. uh, phone charges, some stuff like that. Building a profile so that the participants can uh, create a profile and make themselves known, mm. and uh, creating uh, some marketing automation so to try to create a more seamless experience for the participants. Also, and a full year, full year membership. Uh, uh, actually, yes, we created a full year me- membership called Orange Orbit, so that the relationship with the festival doesn't have to stop uh, with the festival itself ending. So you can join Orange Orbit and uh, be a participant all year, like uh, tr- helping us in developing the festival. What should we call our call our stages? What uh, kind of music do you want? Uh, get closer to our music bookers. Learn about how they book uh, artists and and why, and um, so you can be uh, in the orange feeling all year round. Great. All right. Let's. Uh, I don't know. You're moving to uh, Royal Unibrew, uh, as yeah. I recall, and uh, yeah. that's going to be very interesting to to follow uh, you and your career there. I promise to drink lots of beer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I promise. And soda. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So, um, so, so the reason that we're having this podcast uh, is because we're going to discuss the, the topic of uh, the problem of personalization. And it, it does sound like you've been working with 
many forms of personalization uh, over the years, actually. And actually, the, the, the dilemma or the maybe I could say even the, the whole reasoning uh, for, for doing the book was that I experienced uh, a, a large uh, amount of confusion around the, the term personalization. So, uh, so you would have uh, some arguing that they were working with personalization when, when they were doing advertising and campaigns. And uh, you would have, uh, so there were, and some would say that would only be segmentation, but that, that's for another chapter. Uh, but some would say that if I show different ads to different people, that's uh, personalization. And then you would have the, uh, the people who are doing uh, email marketing or doing like parameterized hello first name personalization or marketing automation. They will be looking at that and they'll be frowning a little and saying, okay, uh, I, I don't get this because uh, I, no one can see that's personalized. You're just showing these ads to those people and these ads to those people. I don't see the hello first name. I don't see the parameterization. You must be getting it all wrong. Uh, however, they all got their paycheck for something that said personalization. And when they were doing invoices, it said personalization. So it's, so this like internal argument between at least those two branches. And then come the third branch being the, the ones that like the e-commerce managers or the, the, the website managers who are working, for instance, with, with their news articles. Uh, so they would be looking into very much the, uh, the on-site personalization uh, in terms of uh, product recommendations or article recommendations, or even if you go to Netflix or HBO or your, your streaming services, the, all the content feeds you have there and, and how you're working with personalization uh, in that matter. Now, I don't, do, you, do you recognize from, from your line of work and your work history these three tribes uh, of marketers, uh, so to speak? Uh, indeed, I do. Uh, I, I I think of personalization like uh, like a uh, philosophy or I don't. Uh, I have got them there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, indeed, I do. Uh, I think there's. Uh, I think of personalization like a company philosophy, and if we could agree upon that, you want to be uh, as relevant as possible to your customers then you can't disagree on personalization. And the different brand branches that you describe in your book are just, to me, different tools in the big tool toolbox called uh, personalization. Um, I, I think there's a four, fourth branch uh, that you're missing, or at least uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we're developing into as marketeers. Um, we could call it experience marketing, where marketing step out of just taking responsibility for the classic marketing channels and taking responsibility for the entire guest journey. You might argue that branch three will be working into that, but but marketers have to create um, relevant and personalized experience for their customers, even though if it's uh, in a department that's not usually, uh, that's not marketing, even if it's billing or customer service. And so, so I believe that marketers should should work with the entire guest journey and creating moments that matter for 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 all touch points. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and I, th- I think we're suffering a bit from from the fact that uh, that a lot of these uh, these triggered flows and these triggered communications will often be at first launched by the marketing department and owned by by them. But when when you then come to a, a certain level of maturity, you realize that. It doesn't help trying to send the the right offer to someone who are extremely dissatisfied or unsatisfied. And if you if you fail to deliver the goods at a specific time, offer the right services, and exactly. last mile delivery is bad, then I mean 
you're not really up for buying uh, anything else. Exactly. So it, it's actually I'm glad you mentioned it because it's it's actually covered in the uh, in the last part of the uh, of the book where I have the the pyramid uh, of personalization at, and at the highest maturity level is where you actually go uh, go beyond marketing and where you say okay this is not about getting the next best offer across to a customer it's not only about getting the next best action across to the individual and customer. It's about getting the delivering the next best experience. Uh, and as you say, that may not be marketing related at all. So, um, so that's uh, so I totally agree with you on that. Uh, would you say that you've been uh, that you've had firsthand experience uh, as a marketing leader uh, with all the three disciplines here? Uh, yes, uh, I think I work with uh, all all three ways of working with personalization. Some of them for acquisition acquisition purposes, um, uh, for digital marketing and ad tech. Some for retention and loyalty, uh, and others for customer satisfaction in the UX uh, kind of experience. So, so I think uh, I've I've been using different kinds of personalization in my work for different kinds of challenges or problems or ambitions interesting have you also experienced the confusion about personalization because you must have i mean you've built quite a few teams around personalization and have you experienced these times when people are talking about the same thing but i mean apparently but they're actually meaning different things and using the same words to describe different things or vice versa um, I'm not sure. I think I find the discussion around personalization a bit theoret- theoretical. Uh, yeah, yeah. As a practitioner, I mean, the the we all work towards personalization and we have different tools in, in how to achieve that. So some, so I, I've had uh, uh, digital, ma- uh, digital managers who have uh, been working with ad check and, and digital marketing to to create uh, segmented uh, ads, uh, and um, that's that's their kind of personalization to 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 some degree. And I have had uh, 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 CRM managers, jazz uh, uh, loyalty managers, working with uh, hyper personalization uh, because they are working with the existing customer mm-hmm. database. Um, so I believe it's it's all step on the on the roadmap, uh, your digital roadmap towards uh, personalization. So I I don't think I've experienced uh, pro- any problems or, or discussions. Uh, just different ways of achieving uh, the same thing. Yeah. And I don't think that there's no right or wrong. I mean, sometimes you can yeah. achieve just as much uh, with with the segmentation as you can with hyper uh, personalization. So I, I believe the key word here is balance yeah. and trying to, to find the right tool to, to, uh, to the right problem according to your resources and budget. I've, I've seen so many organizations trying to build spaceships and used all their uh, resources in buying uh, MarTech and building a great organization doesn't have the, the organization to build the different content and then ended up with uh, uh, the spaceship just uh, collecting dust in the, in the office. Yeah, I was interviewing uh, Stefan Kierkegaard from Metas and he had the Formula One metaphor that yeah. if they would have a Formula One car uh, sit there right outside of Metas, it would be really a waste of uh, fine machinery because first of all, he didn't believe that he could fit into it. And uh, second, he had no idea whatsoever on how to drive it. And <laughs> And I think, and I think basically th- this is partly uh, also due to the, uh, uh, to, uh, 
to to the vendors basically the tech exactly. tend I mean, to sort of uh, not be completely honest or I mean they so much want to get the license contract uh, signed that they uh, are not completely honest sometimes about what it actually takes to make it work or they are oblivious to the fact uh, of, of how much it actually takes from a Exactly. Organization it's like the uh, the Red Bull in marketing that everybody wants to create the the, the jump in spa- into space and you go home from a, a venture presentation and all in, inspired and want to create all this uh, jump yeah. all this personalization hyper personalization but um, that you need to know that it 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 can be fairly expensive to invest in this martech and you you have to balance the the uh, the kind of personalization accordingly to your organization's uh, development development and and resources hmm. all right let's uh, let's move a bit further uh, so uh, so let's let's focus now for uh, for for a little time here on the uh, on the campaign aspect of personalization so uh, a campaign being something that is uh, coupled to a specific point in the yearly life cycle so it could be a summer or christmas uh, the leading up to a Roskilde festival, even something that is calendar uh, controlled, uh, whether it be on paid uh, or own or owned media for that matter. So, um, could you tell us about a a campaign that you've been part of doing where you were using personalization, where you that you are the most proud of? Um, oh, it's, it's it's hard for me to to find a, a specific campaign because. As I said, I've been working with the big transformation, the and and I, I would say that I'm most proud of all the work in uh, getting the board of directors on board, getting funding, building the organization, uh, building the organization, buying the tech. Um, but if I should mention one campaign, um, uh, I would say here at at Roskilde, it's it's not live yet, but um, we've been working on. Uh, creating the annual wheel with the um uh, uh, of course the festival period a uh, roskilde blues period yeah. and uh, uh then you have a uh an infusion period a warm-up period and, uh, and the festival again so trying yeah. to organize all the different kind of communication that's been going on yeah. always was just as newsletters yeah. so just helping the organization to to uh, structure the communi- communication and the com- campaigns uh, mm-hmm. accordingly to 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 these campaigns. And then how would you? Uh, I mean, th- there must be different festival goers. Uh, I mean, I did notice that there was some people at the festival uh, slightly younger uh, than I, uh, but also a lot of. Uh, I think my mother comes there actually once in a while. So are you doing these? Because it sounds like this communication is very much coupled to the the actual event, which kind of makes sense, and that's normally in the in the end of June or the beginning of July. And the the Roskilde Blues is the period after that, and there's the excitement up to that. So of course they'll you'd carry some relevance based on the fact that it's related to a point in time, uh, related to the uh, to the festival. But which so you were segmenting, having different forms of the communication depending on whether you be old or young or or uh, your first time at the festival and okay. uh, are you staying at the, are you staying at our campsite are you not staying at our campsite yeah. um i were a volunteer or not a volunteer uh so, so different kind of 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 segments uh not uh, not age regarded um but uh of course we also you uh, look into what kind of music you were listening to yeah. on your uh, 
uh, what you added it as your favorite uh, in the app, so be able to to make uh, more recommendations to to you to to enhance the experience at the festival. And I think that that's a place. So so with campaigns, you really getting the segments right is and and of course the the context and the timing uh, yeah. is yeah. probably what. Makes I mean, I mean as, as some of the most difficult segments that I work with uh, work with was in Tivoli uh, because yeah. um, uh, as a Tivoli guest, you could change segment throughout the week. You could, you could be there on uh, Friday to listen to the Friday rock uh, concert. You yeah. could be there Saturday with your kids being a parent, and you can be there uh, on Monday eating a business lunch. So, yeah. so there were so many different segments. So there we also used. Um, AI to predict what is what 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 uh, segment is your are your most likely to yeah. to be uh, segment a mature segment yeah. yeah of course combining it with yeah. with data that uh, on your on your on your visit and and so forth and and combining these insights with the the seasonal campaigns for instance yeah. Halloween then we would know what kind of uh, what kind of our office office during Halloween would yeah. fit you as a as a guest? Interesting, yeah. So uh, the the same for for marketing automation. Which kind of sort of automated lifecycle style communication program or flow even or would you, um, would you say stands out from your your career history? I remember when I worked in the, in the workers union, as you men- mentioned, there was yeah. a student membership, uh, a free membership. Uh, for for uh, students, uh, maybe with a student job, mm-hmm. and they receive no communication uh, at all. So when they try to convert this uh, free membership to a full time membership, there was uh, more than a forty percent churn at the first contact. Yeah. So we developed a, a marketing automation program that followed the student throughout their uh, the, throughout their studies and. Yeah making them ready for uh, for Graduation. a full-time job and helping them telling them, uh, them about their rights in a student job and and so forth and and that re- reduced churn dr- dramatically just by a, a continuous uh, trigger flow throughout their uh, studies okay so so instead of getting the hearing nothing at all from the union then suddenly you would hear a lot and you'd build up the relationship before the graduation was there and then after graduation then you already maybe maybe as a student member you already had made up your mind and you felt yeah, you had an you, emotional connection with you it. maybe received the the digital newsletter but but uh, other than that you didn't hear anything from from the union so so we started out by creating a welcoming process where the mm-hmm. student could tell about what what was the study? What were the dreams? What were the ambitions? And then we c- created a, a a trigger flow that uh, during to to their uh, future professions would uh, help them uh, be, become the the talent of tomorrow. So yeah. that was that was kind of the the idea anyway. Beautiful. Also a nice thing to to be working with and, and helping these uh, these young people become uh, better versions uh, of themselves. Exactly. Um. So so the last um. The last sort of branch of, uh, of personalization here is really regarding uh, on-site personalization or primarily probably working with, with content feeds. Uh, it could be the, the shows from Roskilde Festival or it could be the courses from uh, from uh, HK, uh, the Works Union, or it could be, I don't know, the, uh, uh, the rides uh, in Tivoli. 
how have you been working with with on-site personalization and with a sort of product recommendation ish um, personalization? In in Tivoli, we created a Nesbest action hierarchy so that we could see what what uh, if the guests have hadn't done this, then we would like them to do uh, this uh, and. Um, and we uh, integrated that uh, on the site and on their profile. So, um, so that was, I think it was fairly personalized. Uh, so if you haven't been to the garden in six months, then you would get this kind of information. But if you weren't already an annual pass holder, then you would get this information. And if you haven't finished your profile on the website, then so there, there's a very big hierarchy on, on content, different contents that could be uh, on site. In in Hoko, we, we developed a, a, a tool where you could look up what kind of salary uh, other people in your profession were getting. And we used uh, people's uh, profession to, to market this on site. And of course, looking into have you used this tool already? Mm-hmm. Then you, the next step, the next best action for you would be to contact uh, Hoko or some kind of uh, advisor to help you uh, get a better salary. Uh, and if you haven't used this um, this tool, then we use your profession just to 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 ask the question: What are other people in in your profession earning? And then use that on the side. And if I know you right, that was also part of the marketing automation then. So you'd be using these hierarchies of messages and call to actions and be using them across channels. So if people want the website, that'd be part of the website personalization. And if they weren't using it and if they weren't coming to the website, you'd probably be prompting them and trying to reactivate them. Exactly. And and it was actually with this uh, salary tool that we were having uh, many discussions on how personalized should we be when we yeah. when do we go creepy yeah. um so so because we could use the exact salary on a for a different for a person or for for your profession in our digital marketing on on facebook and and so forth but uh we decided just to to make it a more um uh, average kind of salary not to so that people wouldn't feel that uh, they were uh yeah, that we are going uh, going creepy on them. <laughs> okay, uh, great. So it's I mean you've been working with all kinds of personalization. Maybe not so much the e-commerce uh, kind of personalization where you have one billion products and you need to to sort them. But that would be the uh, I think we will definitely going to meet someone in the, uh, in the podcast later that have uh, exact experience with that. Um, so I'm in the book. I'm uh, writing a bit about the the marketing skeptics because there are or the, the personalization skeptics. Uh, so I've encountered quite a few, actually in, I think it was the, the year when I was actually really going to like put the pen to the paper and write it. I came across this article saying that uh, personalization is impossible and you should just forget about it. And I was slightly discouraged, uh, I must say, uh, because I was like really fired up and I wanted to, to do the book. And uh, so someone saying that this is just impossible and it will never work. Have you, it sounds like you're a believer in personalization, but have you met these people as well that are like, oh, come on, it doesn't matter. We just get the offer out. And if the offer is good enough, people will come. Have you, have you met the skeptics in your, in your line of career? Yeah, I have in, in different uh, variations, uh, primarily on the, uh, at the CFO's office when I presented him for the bill on some of the things we wanted oh, yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
and I've, I think sometimes it's it's justified if you try to make things too complicated. Sometimes yeah. things don't have to be personalized to work. Yeah. That's why you have to to keep on testing what yeah. you do. So maybe sometimes uh, um, I don't know uh, age or gender segmentation would have the same effect as mm-hmm. a hyper personalization yeah. um, in some touch point or some campaign yeah. and at other times uh, personalization would would make a huge difference and that's why you have to to map the customer journey and find the moments that matter where you can personalization really can play a difference yeah, so i understand yeah. uh, the criticism if you want to hyper personalize everything yeah because i mean the marketing department would have to triple or or more than that to be able to create all that uh, personalized content and and to buy the tech that's necessary and so i I think again it's about the balance and Mm -hmm. trying to use the resources uh right at the right moment i think that actually leads on to uh, to the next question that i thought we we could could decide uh we could we could discuss uh so when is when do you believe personalization is not a good idea I don't know if I can point to a, a, a specific touch point or a specific campaign, but but um, I mean, when you do personalization, you have to be really tra- transparent about mm-hmm. how you use and uh, use the data and respect the customer data. Um, so I, I think you have to to find the the balance so you don't um, so you respect the privacy of yeah. the customer and yeah. and try to. To make it feel like a service, yeah. and and not not a, a surveillance. Uh, yeah. So. So if you so going too far would, exactly. would make it not be be a good idea. Yeah. So yeah. you just feel that, that oh this is creepy. How do they know yeah. this? And of course I've I've been trying. Uh, I think we all have tried to to buy uh, a product. Uh, I know I, I bought a toilet seat online. And for the next uh, few weeks, I, I was uh, retargeted with toilet seats. And I mean, I only need one. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. So you have to use your uh, your knowledge of your customers and yeah. your empathy and your respect for your customers' uh, privacy and data. And then actually, on a later show, we're going to have a Tequila Harley Noble. She's a PhD, and she did a PhD on personalization. And she concluded uh, after doing some studies that the hello first name personalization alone doesn't work because people have been used to seeing that in the inbox. And once they open up the newsletter, they see it's exactly the same as everybody yeah. else is getting. It's not personal at all. And it's, it's a bit like what you're saying here. Okay, so I, I looked at toilet seats, but now you're showing me one billion zillion toilet seats. And uh, I'm frankly, my uh, my gut is okay. And I don't need to go to the toilet that often. And I don't have that many toilets. So even though it's not a generic experience, and this is only for me, it's totally irrelevant. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I, I think uh, I think she's right uh, regarding that we go snowblind to some extent. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's also expectations. So, what would happen if we remove that? Yeah. So, if call, of course, this means that we are raising the bar for personalization uh, yeah. because what was. Uh, at one time, it was uh, it was really a big thing if you use uh, the first name of the mm. customers, and now you, you kind of expect it. Uh, yeah. Maybe you don't care, but maybe you but, don't even notice anymore. I don't know. Maybe, exactly. You you probably don't know notice, but maybe you would notice if, if it wasn't there. I don't yeah. know. So. Yeah. Uh, 
You can also hide it sometimes because we were discussing this. Uh, I think I was discussing this with uh, with David Mannheim on a previous episode. The the concept of implicit personalization, the fact that you don't always have to show it to to uh, to the end customer that this is a very unique experience that they're getting that not everybody else is. So the the implicit versus explicit. Yeah. When should you be? I could imagine if you were. Uh, like for the workers' unions, there would be like delicate situations where people were maybe uh, actually fired from their job, but they hadn't told it back home because they might get in economical trouble and they wanted to, I don't know, make sure that their partner didn't uh, become scared or frustrated or whatever. So yeah. so that's maybe a place where you should like tread carefully and not be too explicit, but more make it look like a coincidence that suddenly we this, so this uh, is about uh, yeah, how you tell the different things difficult things at home yes uh, exactly some sometimes maybe you'll just dis- you'll disguise the uh the personalization in a oh this is just a newsletter regarding yeah. if you need advice regarding uh, unemployment or uh, finding a new job <laughs> what yeah. do I, then, yeah. then uh, please feel free to contact us so yeah. I think both both things things are working, yeah. uh, and you need to, yeah, like you say, uh, tread carefully. You can definitely be like too explicit on something that is either inappropriate or that you're not completely sure of, because data can also be. I think yeah. I, I'm thinking about a lot of the customer journey as something where uh, we don't really know what's going on in the customer journey. We have the customer out there, and all sorts of things are going on in their lives, and and you can only. Guess you can have the small data points that you have to to make sort of qualified guesses as to what would be relevant or interesting for them, yeah. but you never really know. No. So so don't paint yourself in a corner where you are like too 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 explicit about stuff that you actually don't know about. There can be multiple reasons for people abandoning the basket or not going to Oskili Festival. They yeah. could have died for that matter. I mean, or they could be whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There could be all sorts of reasons. They could become injured or handicapped, or yeah. there could be terrible things. And if you are not careful, uh, or if you're trying to assuming or guessing those, then that's really bad. Thing. I mean, in in Hoko, we also work with combining the the online data and the offline data with the uh, uh, with the customer satisfaction program so if if we had uh, members that were really really happy we, we always always want to activate the members so mm-hmm. use our services because then we know that you will uh, be uh, less likely to churn. Yeah, yeah. but when we combine it with the customer satisfaction data then then we well if it isn't, if it isn't broken don't fix yeah, we, yeah. so we, we had a segment where we said well they haven't been using our services, but they're really, really satisfied. Okay. Yeah. So now we should be aware not to keep disturbing them if they really yeah. are uh, glad with their current. Exactly. Yeah. Why? Uh, we'll why do call that? Us, we'll call. We'll call you. Uh, kind of approach. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, also, there was the notion of. Uh, I mean, we're discussing when personalization is not a good idea. You mentioned the CFO uh, and the skepticism and the uh, thing. Like hyper personalization versus segmentation that could be equally good. I think the the notion of is the juice worth the squeeze? Sometimes maybe you you could squeeze it in a different way, or you don't have to squeeze it that much, or it will be too difficult to get those last drops of personalization juice out the lemon. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't find that the CFO disagrees with personalization, or uh, they are often also the owner of the digital uh, transformation in an organization but but uh, it's 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 usually the bill that comes with it and of course they they um, 
they always look for ways to optimize. So, so that is why, uh, as a marketeer, you're often um, presented with demands to 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 show the ROI yeah. fairly fairly quickly. Uh, it's in a pretty sound thing, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but sometimes working with with customer satisfaction, of course, we and I mean, there's multiple an analysis that shows that personalization increase does increase revenue and customer satisfaction. So, but but of course, in the first years, you have to be patient. You have to create the 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 tech stacks necessary to to unify your data to learn from from the data and and create these actionable insights and then get them out, test, uh, optimize, and and then the results will come. So it's a leap of faith. Uh, yeah, I think also because the value creation, I mean, if you are an e-commerce, obviously some personalization can give you a value right here uh, here and now. Yeah. But if you are talking, what you're talking about here, like next best action and uh, like yeah. long-term uh, customer satisfaction and so on and so on, that's value that may not materialize this quarter or this month and whatever. Exactly. And how do you then get the accountability to show that to the CFO that this was in fact worth the squeeze and maybe it's maybe that it is intangible and there is a part of it at least that is uh, up to the leap of faith and you believing that this is the right thing to do because you you care for the customers and you want to to do the best errand. of course we document that the customer lifetime value will increase and the, the spending will increase but it's not as instant as an if you only no. work with with e-commerce and you're, you're building the relationship over time yeah. and uh, the the customer hopefully uh, pays you back with their loyalty uh, and with keeping their membership or choosing you the next time they need your, your service great and we're uh, we're about to to round off here so so last uh, thing uh, michaela uh, as a consumer uh, what is your favorite example of when you've experienced uh, a personalized uh, customer experience with a, with a brand or company that you uh, engage with? Um, well, I'm a fan of a lot of um, personalized experience, but but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use a very old school kind of personalization just to, to just to disrupt all the digitalization. I have. Um, I have a favorite bar with a favorite drink, and of course, uh, unfortunately, the drink was uh, taken off the menu. Mm -hmm. uh, but they uh, they registered that this was my favorite drink. So every time I book a table uh, at this uh, at this bar, they make sure that uh, the gin gin smash is uh, is back on the menu. So mm -hmm. this is personalization uh, in its most purest form, and yeah. uh, they have a loyal customer in me. <laughs> That's a fantastic example. Okay, thank you so much uh, for for joining, Michaela. A huge thank pleasure, and always nice discussing these topics with a with a seasoned, uh, awarded uh, CMO of the year type like you. I'm very uh, very happy that you uh, that you took the time. I know you're a very busy woman. Uh, and uh, to the, the to the audience, I, I'll just say that uh, remember that you can download the abstract. Uh, remember that you can download all the models from the book. Uh, Make sure to put uh, everything in the show notes. Uh, and uh, there'll be a new episode uh, next week where we'll be talking about the um, uh, the definition uh, of personalization together with uh, Tequila Harley Noble. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, Mikela, have a very nice day. And, you uh, too. Good to see you, Rasmus. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. 
In our next episode, we'll cover chapter 3, which is about defining personalization and the many different forms it can take.